You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. All right, break out the chalk. Because this week, we're talking barbells with barbell medicine coach, Cassie Neiman. I loved this conversation because for the longest time, I was one of those women who just didn't think barbells were for me. I wasn't opposed to them per se, but I was actively disinterested. I figured they were great for power lifters, but endurance athletes, eh. Women who just wanted to get strong, eh. And then I tried them and I totally got it. As Cassie so elegantly says in this show, barbells are the way to get the most bang for your training buck and to get stronger without taking extra time and effort away from your primary sport and other stuff you love. And you just might fall in love with them and they could become your primary sport. But I'll let Cassie tell you all about that. Along with being a barbell medicine coach, Cassie is also the lead You Can Row 2 master rowing instructor at Concept 2. We talked all about rowing a few weeks ago with Sarah Furman. She also has certifications as a precision nutrition level one coach and a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. She is a power lifter herself with a 285-pound squat and a 358-pound deadlift. Those are her PRs. And you can find her training clients online, all over the world, and in person at Iron Soul Gym in Albuquerque, New Mexico. She is also the host of the podcast, More Female Strength. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. All right, before we get to it, Reminder that we are starting that podcast guide subscription service, the Hit Replay Podcast Guide subscription. You've asked for it. I am stoked that we are finally making it happen. Each week, you can get clearly organized guides to all the advice and info presented in that week's show delivered straight into your inbox. It's also a great way to support the show. So just head on over to feistymenopause.com. And click on the podcast guide tab for more info. I'll also put a link in the show notes for that. Quick reminder, you can find us at Feisty Menopause on Instagram and Facebook. We have our private and now 10,000 women strong hit play not pause Facebook group. Come on in and join the conversation. And if you have ideas for the show, any feedback, hit me up at hit play not pause at livefeisty.com. Thank you as always for the hearts, the five-star ratings and the positive reviews. If you like the show, kindly subscribe and share it with your friends on your socials. It helps us grow and helps me continue to bring you great guests. Finally, I'd like to thank Prevenex for their continued support of this show. I've been using their protein powder, Neurofy Plus Vegan, and uh, I've been taking it after my workouts. And I really appreciate that it's not loaded with sugar like many of the other products in my shelf and that it has probiotics and I have found that makes it really easy on my belly and really easy to digest. So thanks again. Okay, enough of me. Let's have a few words about our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. 
a quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support, and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the Otter is stuffed with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and Otter has taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched-chain amino acids, Plus, even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Prevenex.com. 
That's hip play, all caps, one word, at Prevanex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. All right. Well, Cassie, I'm very excited for this conversation because I haven't had somebody on. Yeah, to talk specifically about barbells and about I'm really interested in barbell medicine. So I want to get into all that. But before we do, uh, I want to set a little bit of a, a groundwork for you because, you know, I read about you and I see that you have this long history of being athletic. You know, there's gymnastics, there's track and field, there's rowing, there's boot camps, there's group fitness, there's CrossFit. Um, like talk a little bit about your athletic background. And like, I'm cur- just curious what some of your events and specialties were when you're talking about like gymnastics and that kind of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, I certainly have a long career in sports and I actually am very aware of that because oftentimes I'm training people that are starting something like much later in life. And I have to acknowledge that like my relationship with sports or being an athlete, calling myself an athlete and like strength in general. Yeah. Yeah. Even just like just body. It's a big deal. Yeah. 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 Um, It just like definitely can set me apart. And I, I, I'd like to think that I've gotten better at understanding it and being empathetic when you're coming to this, you know, at a much later point in life and you've never done anything like it before. Um, but with that said, yeah, I started gymnastics when I was two. Um, and it was just fun. You know, I was probably like annoying (laughs) running around the house. My parents were like, Oh my God, get her doing something. Um, and unfortunately for them, like it just became like my life. And I was competing by the time I was six. And, um, I went all the way up to basically an elite level. I went to junior Olympic nationals, uh, by the time I was 15. Um, and I ended up retiring at 15. Um, and I say retired because I think that is a career (laughs) from age two to 15. Um, and, uh, you know, I was known as kind of like a powerhouse athlete, like not super graceful, uh, just a lot of strength and speed. So like, if it comes to like events, like, and this carries forward kind of into my life now, but I was really good at vault and floor and where, you know, that kind of like force production was most necessary. The dancing stuff was just like, not my bag. (laughs) Um, but like, I think like most people who probably participated in gymnastics for that long, they probably all have the same baggage, which is just that it was super intense and a lot of pressure on a growing young female body. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And generally, you know, late eighties, early nineties, like the way that we kind of looked at sport. And then also at that time it was starting to change. So things were getting harder and trickier. And um, I won't, necessarily say it was like a bad experience. I certainly created who I am and allowed me to do all these crazy, amazing things later, but my son will not (laughs) ever do gymnastics. (laughs) I understand. Um, Yeah. But yeah, when I uh, retired, when I was 15, uh, which I know sounds silly, but no, no, not when you're talking about gymnastics, it doesn't sound silly at all. I mean, honestly. And, um, I, I started doing track and field in high school and, and I think it kind of carried forward my ability to run fast and be powerful. I was a sprinter and a jumper and generally within my little bubble of high school, I was, I was fast. (laughs) Um, and so I did look at doing that in college and then, um, I realized I probably wasn't that fast. 
And so I was actually really looking forward to like the first time in my life being like a normal Mm -hmm. kid who didn't, you know, idolize sport or it wasn't just my entire life. Um, but of course I, I happened to be volunteering on this tall ship, which is a whole other story, but this crew rode by early in the morning. And I was like, Oh my God, what is that? What is that? And it was rowing and I'd never seen it before. Um, and I was mesmerized. And so I said, Oh, I I really want to do that. And when I went to Georgia tech, the crew team was on the sidewalk recruiting when I showed up and I signed up. <laughs> um, so I did not have the normal, or I guess I, I shouldn't say normal college. Experience. No, I, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I, I be, just found another obsession. Um, and so I rode for five years uh, at Georgia tech all through my undergrad. And then that really like kicked off my, my own personal journey into coaching. Cause as soon as I graduated, I coached rowing at Georgia tech for five years. I coached the freshman women's team. And that was kind of my first introduction to how to verbalize the things I wanted people to do yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also how they may respond. And especially talking to like 17, 18 year old freshman girls who went to Georgia tech. So let's be honest, they probably weren't all that sporty, (laughs) little nerdy. Um, and I realized I really loved that. And so from there on out, I always coached kind of on the side became like my side hustle. Um, but, uh, I, I rode, uh, in college. And then after college, I rode at Atlanta rowing club and I started a competitive women's team with a bunch of other masters athletes, but I don't know if you've ever been to Atlanta, uh, okay. The traffic is just like, Oh my absolute oh, horror. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that's where you were going, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and so just getting to the river was such a hassle that I eventually, um, stopped. And I also went back to graduate school. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a licensed architect and did work as one for right. 14 years. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, I got my master's in architecture, um, And while I was in there, I was kind of like, oh, I'm not doing anything anymore, (laughs) Um, which happens in life, right? But I remember it was this very like specific moment where I talked to a friend who was doing this boot camp and I was like, well, what are you training for? Mm. And she's like, well, like nothing, like life. And I was like, what? (laughs) And you know, it was just this like moment in time where I was like, oh crap, I got to just like do this to be healthy. (laughs) Right. And I think that's like a big thing that I I, like for my own acknowledgement and also just being a coach and like the shift, especially as someone who came from like a lifetime of athletics, um, that shift to like just training for life, but also just a lot of times we get really bogged down in, in thinking that that's just what we have to do, you know, to just train for life. Um, but at first I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and then, um, but then I joined, I joined this, you know, boot camp. It was kind of a, in the neighborhood trained at a local track and, um, it actually grew into something much bigger and it is something much bigger now in Atlanta. And I was with them, ended up being with them for eight years. Oh, wow. Um, I started training with them and then eventually started coaching. 
Um, and it was there that like, I first really learned how to lift with a barbell um, and like the importance of kind of including these different movement patterns and how more generally how to just like fit this habit into like my adult life. Uh, but um, that kind of like fueled this passion to move. So then I eventually wanted to coach there. I needed to get a certification. So I ended up taking the CrossFit level one course. I had actually never done CrossFit. <laughs> you have um, all the elements at this point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it, this was, uh, you know, like 2011. So, mm -hmm. you know, CrossFit was also kind of growing uh, in itself. Um, and I really like, I just like guzzled that Kool-Aid ethic yeah. course. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. This is what I want to do. Um, so I started doing CrossFit and uh, really learned to love the barbell. Also acknowledged that a lot of people um, were rowing on the rowing machines. And it occurred to me that people were doing it just for fitness and not for the sport. And that also kind of dramatically shifted the way I looked at movement. Um, and that was just another encouragement that like, this was another gap I could fill in time, you know, helping people move on the things that I like already. Um, but it was in, it was in CrossFit where, um, I actually had, uh, an injury. I had a herniated disc in my neck and I was, I was kind of competing in the, in the games, uh, it was 2013. So I was in the open, not the actual CrossFit games, but the open. <laughs> um, and I was probably just like going too hard on everything. And, uh, did you feel it happen? No, no, it wasn't like a very acute injury. Okay. Um, probably just overuse under recovery, maybe some improper movement patterns or just movement patterns that I probably shouldn't have been doing without doing something else first. Um, but it was, it was pretty awful. Um, and th this is all leading somewhere, I promise, <laughs> but there was just like tons of nerve pain and atrophy. And I just basically couldn't do anything. So I did a bunch of physical therapy and got some cortisone shots and basically like waited. Um, and that is how I ultimately ended up in strength training as I know it now. Um, it was about that time where I knew I could start moving again and be safe. Uh, but I needed kind of a path going forward. I needed a program that was specific. And quite honestly, I think this is a little like of my, um, coming out of gymnastics and the, a movement that is slightly dangerous and then CrossFit that's super dynamic, the ability to do something like super static and deliberate and maybe short, nothing like fast movements was really intriguing and enticing to me. <laughs> so strength training with a barbell where my feet are on the ground all the time <laughs> um, and there's no fast movements that made me feel really safe. Um, I think in general, but definitely also like with my neck. Um, so I had a friend who, who was doing strength training with um, barbells. She was coaching it. She kind of guided me through kind of a, a little progression from nothing to something. And probably about like six months into that, 
she was entering a powerlifting meet and I was like, wait, I can compete in like recovery <laughs> like in the thing I'm doing for recovery. I can compete in it. And I was like, sign me up. <laughs> um, so I did a, I ended up doing a powerlifting meet and, uh, I, I was about 33. So that was the first time I did a powerlifting meet, um, and was really kind of diving into the type of training that I do now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was hooked. I like fell in love with it. And how old and are you now? I'm 42 now. Okay. So like nine years, almost a decade. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, after that, I, I ended up, uh, working with another coach who owned the same gym with the first coach and he's still my coach to this day. Um, and I've done, I think eight powerlifting meets. I've done two strongman competitions, which were a little dive into some more dynamic stuff, but I did like it. It was kind of throwing heavy things around. Um, I say, when you say that, I, what does that actually look like? I think of you like lifting a keg or pushing a truck. (laughs) Is that what you're actually doing? (laughs) Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Lifting a keg was one of the events, uh, one of my strongman events and usually like pulling a truck or something like that. But, um, generally they have like certain movement patterns that they follow. Um, you know, there's usually some like hinge movements or you're deadlifting, maybe tire, you know, a barbell with tires or maybe just a regular barbell, but, uh, but yeah, it's usually a little more, um, dynamic and odd objects versus like powerlifting. It's very <laughs> specific. Um, but yeah, and then I, I ended up getting pregnant in 2019. So I haven't done a meet since 2018, but I just signed up for one in July. So it'll be four years since my last meet. And, um, I'm trying to really mentally prepare to just enjoy the process. (laughs) So did you train through your pregnancy? I did. Yeah. Um, when I was, I got married in 2015 and by 2017, we had been trying to have a baby and we, and we realized it just wasn't working. Um, and so we ended up seeing a fertility expert and we ended up doing IVF and we had done lots of other interventions before that fertility, um, remedies, I guess, anything that I could find on the internet. Um, so when I think of training through my pregnancy, sure. I trained through those like nine months. Um, and I did lift, I did row, but I also trained through like two years of IVF treatments, which were way worse, (laughs) mostly because you're really manipulating your body in a way that not, not that it's working against you, but I'm trying to make something happen that wasn't happening. Um, and we went through two full rounds of IVF. So that's two rounds of like the egg retrieval. And then we did three embryo transfers. Um, one of them worked and that's my son. Uh, the other two transfers didn't work. And the first IVF egg retrieval experience kind of ended with like absolutely zero viable embryos, which was just like the most heartbreaking moment I think of my life. Um, but during those, those, uh, egg retrievals, it's, you know, you're, they're growing your uterus, like 
12 times its normal size. And you, you just really can't train in the same way. And there's also this like almost level of desperation when you're in it that you're just like, okay, I'll, I just won't do anything to just create, create the safest. So my training really did get kind of jacked up um, between like 2017 and 2019 when he was born, but I did train as much as I could within it. And because of all of my experiences there, I've really actively tried to seek out um, more content about training around pregnancy, postpartum. Um, and honestly, during IVF, a lot of people don't talk about that stuff. Uh, and it really messes with you mentally, physically. Um, and the more open I could be about it, I figured hopefully it would help somebody else. So. Oh, I really appreciate that. I have a, yeah. who, who I'm thinking I might have on the show, uh, a very dear friend of mine for 25, 26 years. She is 52 and had a baby through. Yeah. Um, which is That's awesome. It's a, it's a story, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, she went through an awful lot and is also, you know, an, a lifelong athlete. So it's just, it's, it's hard. There's a lot of, there's a lot there. Yeah. And I, you know, like just as a side note, and maybe she would agree, but as an athlete, I have spent my life working very hard to get the things that I want, right? Like I just need to train harder. I need to put more time into it. I, I need to eat better or whatever it is. And there, there was like absolutely nothing I could do to make this work. And that was really frustrating as an athlete or just probably like my type A, <laughs> you know, uh, want to get stuff done. But like, I think that's what made it so hard was that I couldn't just work harder. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, it, it, and it's interesting, you know, this, as you know, the show is often about women in, in the menopausal transition where, you know, you kind of run into some of that too. Like all of a sudden, all the stuff that you've been doing is not working the same way. And you're very used to as an athlete, you know, work in performance out, you know, there's like this very neat equation that you think should, should follow in hormonal fluctuations and decline and all that throws a big wrench into that equation. And so there's a lot of parallels to be drawn. You know, I'm guessing that you're not anywhere in that transition at this point, but I'm sure you work with women who are. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, I try and I think as anybody, anybody would, who's like working with people, you draw on your, your experiences to kind of empathize with what other people are going through. And when you have these moments where like your body is just not doing what it used to do or what you want it to do when yeah, you feel yeah. this lack of control, it's like, well, okay, where, what can I control? Like that's, you know, usually how I, I come to it, but yeah, I, I am not, uh, I probably am in a perimenopause phase, but I, it's not like, absolutely apparent to me, I guess, probably just from my age. Um, but no, I've not, uh, gone through menopause, but I do certainly have clients that have, uh, that are in post-menopause. And then I even have clients that have had, um, an oof, oophorectomy. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. Yep. Very good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a tough one. Um, I have a client who had the BRCA gene, um, also did IVF actually after the oophorectomy. Oh, wow. Amazing. Um, she has a great story, but, you know, acknowledging the fact that there are hormonal changes and shifts uh, on a very, very small level, perhaps like when just 
women are on, you know, people are on their cycle. Um, but also obviously like if they have some big change, like remove their ovaries. Um, and then of course, post-menopause. Um, and yeah, I, I work with a lot of women in that age range. And to be honest, they're my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I love it. I think because there is a, a, when someone does come to me for strength training, it's kind of like, they've already kind of bought into it just a little bit. So I don't necessarily need to kind of convince them to do it. And there's a real desire to learn. Uh, and a lot of times the people who are in that older age range haven't spent time in the weight room. They have always felt this is not for me. They don't see other people like them in the weight room. And so the, the other side that they get to is so exciting. Cause they're like, Oh my goodness. I feel so empowered. I'm the oldest one in the room. Everybody comes up to me and says, wow, look at you lifting these weights. And there's just this like big game that can be had. Um, and that doesn't mean everybody's like that, but I just have found that they're just a really fun group to, to train. Um, so yeah, they're, they're kind of my favorite. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. I love that. So let's, let's dive in a little bit more on that. What you are a barbell medicine coach and what is barbell medicine? So barbell medicine is a brand and an organization of coaches uh, that are also not me specifically, but kind of led by doctors. So their goal is to bring the strength and conditioning world to modern medicine, but also modern medicine to the strength and conditioning world. Um, and to be honest, I, I just joined them. So uh, they have certainly been in my um, circle. Uh, the coaches that run the company, that lead it, uh, were also trained in the same way that I was. So I knew them uh, in lots of different ways. Uh, but I have just joined them as of like this month, which is super exciting to me because the content they put out really aligns with what I've been putting out on my own for the past couple of years. And I think the other real big benefit is that like, it's, it's just always nice to have a team, <laughs> you know, running your own business is really fun and exciting, but at some point you're, you know, it's just nice to have other people to kind of bounce things off of and learn from and, and really kind of boost you up in the same way that, you know, what can I bring to them? Uh, but essentially if, and, and I think a lot of what you talk about, uh, on this podcast and kind of feisty in general is kind of this endure endurance conditioning world, right? So a lot of times you are trying to convince these folks to lift heavy, right? And that there's a barrier there. There's something there that's kind of keeping one side from the other. I'm going to come from the barbell side where these people are lifting heavy, they're lifting super heavy, they're lifting all the time, but they're not doing any conditioning whatsoever. It's mm -hmm. like, Oh no, this is going to hurt my, my gains. Right. And so it's, a, it's the same barrier, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> we're just, we're just on other sides. Um, and, and I think what barbell medicine has done is, is really brought to the forefront, the importance of doing both. And how do you incorporate the two together and still see progress in both, both areas? Because ultimately they're doctors 
and they're going to follow the physical guidelines, right? Which are going to kind of put out our two days of kind of resistance training. And then also our 150 minutes of low intensity, steady state, or, you know, aerobic activity, um, or 75 minutes or whatever you want that to be. And so how many people can we get to do just that, that bare minimum? (laughs) So I think that that's just been really exciting for me to, to see somebody talking about that because I do, I row a lot and I like rowing. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I've heard that. (laughs) We've had your, your, uh, Sarah on the, just did an interview with hers that people will hear too, all about rowing. So let, I want to, I want to sort of dive into two things that you talked about there is like one, what are the unique benefits of barbells specifically? And then also for the more endurance oriented people who are listening to this, how does barbell lifting complement that? If you're an ultra runner, if you're a cyclist or if you're a triathlete, Um, well, you know, here's the thing. There are lots of ways to get strong. There are lots of pieces of equipment that you could use to get strong. Um, and I don't look down upon them, right? You don't have to pick up a barbell. The the benefits of the barbell though, are that they can be loaded heavy in that they can get progressively heavier over time. And ultimately in the end, in order to get stronger, we have to continually adjust the stress being applied to the system. And when you're constantly using just a small dumbbell or the same weight, you may not be actually creating that, that adaptation that we're seeking. Um, so as long as you're on that path to loading the system in a progressively heavier way over time, or doesn't even need to be progressively heavier forever and ever. It just needs to be at an adequate intensity. Um, And the, you know, again, the barbell kind of allows for that to happen. That's one, one reason. The second reason is that it just enables you to do these full body movements so when you're using a barbell, maybe it's on your back and you're squatting pretty much everything from the floor to the barbell is involved. So yep. we're, we're, we're getting to use more muscle mass over a greater range of motion, which is just going to allow you to lift more weight and get more strong. Um, it's simple. <laughs> you just need one barbell and probably a rack and a bench, right? Sure. I can keep adding to that list of equipment, but it's, it's kind of just one thing. And I can start someone with a 15 pound barbell. I can start someone with a PVC pipe and the movement never changes, right? I can start them with 15 pounds and we can end at 1500 pounds, but the movement itself doesn't have to change. Um, and then the last, like probably most important thing is that it's effective and that we're freaking busy people, (laughs) you know, and especially if you're coming to this from another sport and you do another sport and that is your life, you love that thing. You just know you need to strength train to help it or just to be this well-rounded athlete. Like let's not add in a ton of extra time and effort into this other thing, just so you can do the thing you love. So what's the way we can get the most bang for your buck and get you stronger without it taking away from everything else um, and, you know, make it do the job that we want it to do. So ultimately, like, those are the reasons why I like the barbell, like the 
real practical reasons, right? Totally. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel too, like I always just sort of looked at it like something like you sort of talked about in the very beginning of this, like that's something somebody else does. Like that's not, that's not something that I do. I, I would go to the gym, but I'm like, that's not, I'm not interested in that because I didn't know how it would help me specifically be better at the things that I did or wanted to do. And what I learned is that, you know, I sort of had it like not right in my head. I was thinking, okay, barbells are kind of like for bodybuilders or for that kind of thing where that it's actually the best way to get full body strong. Like I, like that central nervous system buzz that you get from, you know, five sets of five deadlifts is you just, it, it trains your body very differently than doing, you know, 12 reps of whatever kind of squats you're going to do with dumbbells. I mean, it's just, it is, is actually uh, in my mind, m- makes you more efficient, you know, and it's just like, it does complement that endurance piece better. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately a stronger human, uh, is probably going to be a faster human, you know, uh, every, uh, pedal rotation, you know, every push of your foot, every drive of your legs, every, you know, swing of a, you know, for golfing, right? Like the stronger you are, the more force you can produce the the better you're going to be at that sport. And there's, there's always pushback on kind of like, how strong do you need to be? I don't want to be a bodybuilder. I don't want to be a powerlifter. You don't have to be a lot of people equate the barbell with powerlifting. Powerlifting is simply a sport that people do with a barbell. And I, I really push back against people when they call me a powerlifting coach, because I'm sure I will coach people through powerlifting, but I'm a strength coach. I want to get you generally more strong than you are right now. And I want to do that in the most effective way possible so that you can get on with your life. Um, and I think that ultimately for someone who's doing some other training activity, uh, the, the gains that one would have like in muscle mass in movement patterns, um, understanding their body under a load. Those are all things that can carry over to whatever sport it is they're doing beyond just being stronger. Um, and none of that stuff really needs to be done at this like maximum capacity. You know, people think barbells and they think their eyeballs are going to bulge out of their head or something. And that doesn't have to happen, right? Actually, the bulk of your work is probably going to be done in like that 60 to 80%. But the problem is, is a lot of people don't get to that percentage of intensity with the smaller weights. You can, you can totally get there. Like, don't get me wrong. It's just most of the time we don't. And I think it's society, you know, like the way we've kind of been raised in the media of like, what we should be lifting, what we should think about ourselves when we do those things. Um, But like lifting heavier is ultimately what's going to help us do all the things we want to do. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. Can you just for clarity, like, can you describe like what actually power lifting is and how that differentiates Mm -hmm. from, you know, what we're talking about here? Yeah. I mean, it, well, it's not like, like fundamentally different. Like if you're competing in the sport of powerlifting, uh, you would do a squat, a bench and a deadlift. And you would do that to the heaviest weight that you possibly could. You get three attempts. You get to do, uh, you want like one, you want your one rep max, one rep max. Yeah. Right. All out effort. Right. 
And uh, what I I've do, never tried to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I, it's not worth whatever it is. Like that's not my game. That's not sure. what I'm in it for. It's not your sport. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and a lot of people, when they come into the gym and have said, "Okay, I want to do strength training," but oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. It's like, well, I'm not going to load you up on day one and see what you can do, right? Um, and ultimately, you actually don't get stronger from just doing one rep. It's not enough stress on your body for your body to say, oh, this is something we're doing now. I need to adapt and get better at it. Instead, your body's like, whoa, that was a one-off experience. Right. Like maybe the car <laughs> fell on my baby and I had to get the car off my baby. <laughs> and now, now it's all fine. <laughs> I use that analogy a lot, right? <laughs> We've seen people kind of remarkably create this ability to lift something very heavy in, in a moment of just necessity, but that doesn't mean that person can go around lifting cars now, right? Right, right. So, so a lot of the work that you do really is in this lower intensity level, and that's more manageable. It's, it's, more approachable. It makes sense once you're in it. And so that's ultimately where like I'm training people. Um, but of course, at some point you might be like, Oh, I just kind of want to see what I can do. Sure. We can always test it. You can do a right. meet if you want. Right. But that's not ultimately the goal, uh, for most folks. Right. Um, so I think it's, there's still a lot of, um, misunderstanding in, in how this gets fed to kind of the general public, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. And along those lines, you know, I'm sure you hear a lot of concerns when it comes to safety, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, people are worried about, Oh, what are you going to do? How about your back? And how about your knees and, and all that? Like, how do you address those barriers when they come up? Well, I think a lot of the, um, like I said, a lot of people that come to me, have already kind of bought into this idea of, oh, this is what I need to do. So they've already come to grips with some of that fear, but everybody comes in with some reservation, whether it's like, um, you know, my dad had a bad back, so I'm just trying to be real careful, you know, and it, it's these things that we've kind of fed to ourselves for our whole lives. And so the, the biggest thing I do, which is just probably what any good coach does is I listen you know, I, I listen to the narrative. What's the story of why you feel that way? I ask questions and then I try and figure out a way to uh, still move forward. Right. I, I think you, you have to have a lot of kind of tricks up your sleeve so that you can get someone moving in a way that feels comfortable to them. And then over time, build confidence, build this feeling of capability of autonomy. And then ultimately over time, you can load it heavier and heavier as necessary. Um, and I think setting that tone from the beginning of, I'm not here to load as much weight as I possibly can on the bar just to see what you can do today. Like that's not the point. And I may even say, uh, if some, if somebody has maybe just heard me say like, we work in 60 to 70% of your maximum intensity. Then they'd be like, well, how do you know what 60 to 70% is if you don't know what I'm ultimately capable of? Uh, well, we use lots of other types of measurements, types of auto-regulation to kind of 
get to that intensity level. It doesn't need to be always coming down from some one red rep max percentage. Um, and I think the more you can empower someone to uh, take kind of ownership of their training, then the the better they're going to be both in kind of accountability and adherence, but also just in feeling capable and confident. And when it comes, you know, I said before, like the benefits of barbells um, and why I think, why I like them, right? Those things were really practical, that being simple and effective, but like there's this whole other side to it, which is you're lifting a barbell. You're in a space that typically does not market to you, right? If you're a woman, let's say if you're a woman in, in your fifties, right. And you're like, this is not for me, right. You said it yourself. You, you all of a sudden have gained access to part of the world that like, why the hell isn't that offered to me in the first place? And that gives you confidence. It makes you feel proud. Right. And then you have this thing that you do that's hard and you might be like kind of scared, but you're confident enough to do it because you've kind of removed some of that doubt, whether with a coach or experience and, and it just creates this, this way bigger thing than just muscle mass. Right. And I think ultimately, and you talk about this a lot on your other podcasts, you know, it's about finding control in your life when, when you can't control everything else, right? Like your health has gotten to a point where it's like, well, I'm just at this age where everything just starts sliding down this hill. Like how, what, what can I control and building this, uh, you know, autonomy, this, uh, you know, trust in your body to do the things you want it to do. Um, and with, with barbells, you could totally fall down, right? Like I'm not talking about a Smith machine barbell, right? Smith machine is where it's running in the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the I bar can't move. Yeah. So I, I don't use those simply because you can't fall down with it. Not that I want you to fall down, but I want you to not fall down. And if you can not fall down with a 45 pound barbell on your back and you can squat down and stand back up, well, Hey, you're probably gonna be able to get yourself up off the toilet, right? Like your balance will be better. And so besides the benefits of just building strength, you're also building kind of just an ability to move in lots of different directions, feel balanced, feel uh, probably a little more mobility, a little more flexibility, um, recruiting more cells and systems in the process process. So like, there's just, I don't know, there's just this whole other like big, lovely, gooey benefit. (laughs) Oh, uh, no, I mean, I, I, I am all, um, I'm all on board with that. I, I, before I started using that kind of lifting, I would have some niggles here and there and they actually just go away when I'm doing that. You know, I mean, my, my mobility is way better without doing mobility work, you know, specifically. Um, and it, it's interesting. I had a, a friend who was super, she, she even said, she's like, I'm, she's actually said it as I'm afraid of my body. Cause she was always getting injured and she had like this whole thing. So she sort of walked around, like she was kind of fragile and she started lifting heavy like this. And 
the 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 change in mindset is night and day you know it's astronomical because she no longer feels that way she feels like i can do this stuff i can i can lift heavy things and i can carry heavy things and it it she feels better mentally and physically and is actually more capable mm-hmm. and i think that ultimately ties into um you know w- working with with people in postmenopause because uh, you know, we may be dealing with some sort of osteoporosis or even, you know, sarcopenia. And those two things actually probably go hand in hand with each other. But um, it it may not be that like lifting heavy weights is not going to make your osteoporosis go away, right? Like <laughs> it's not going to like, it's not that magic pill, <laughs> but it may slow down the deterioration of, of our bone loss, mass loss, right? Um and the more capable you feel, the more trust you have in your body, the less likely you are to fall down, which ultimately is what any doctor probably wants is just to reduce your risk of injury. And I feel like the, that confidence side is like, I, I hear it all the time from my clients, like, oh, you know, the other day, Usually I can't drag the kitty litter box, you know, bag into the kitchen. This time I picked it up and threw it over my shoulder. And it's just like the little things in life that can get easier with it. And I think that's, um, that's sometimes overlooked when, when you're thinking about kind of starting something like this. Or even grip Uh, strength. We haven't even, I mean, that's huge. That's huge in life. Absolutely. Yeah. And that can, that can definitely improve. Like those are things you can improve, right? You might not be able to like greatly recover bone loss, but, but you can get stronger. Um, but I think the other thing, like when it comes to feeling safe and, uh, maybe not as intimidated or, uh, apprehensive about strength training is really just like community. I think, creating inclusive communities where people feel, you know, safe is the best word I can think of to just try something new because as adults, and especially the older we get, the less likely we are to do something new. And I will say, even with your, you know, the athletes that have been athletes their whole life, they're, they've probably, they're like, give me a bicycle. I'll tell you everything I love about it. I'll fix it up. Right. It's great. But like this, oh gosh, no, I'm going to look dumb. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so really creating a space in which people feel comfortable trying and learning and then giving them that grace and acknowledgement of like, yes, you are learning something new. You're probably not going to be that good at it, which is why we're not loading it up to the heaviest possible weight and why we're spending the time to do a squat every single time you come in the gym. So at the end of the week, you're better at squats, (laughs) right? Um, And I think that is becoming more, uh, you know, common finding spaces that are more inclusive Uh, more open to beginners, finding programs that are specifically out there. You know, everybody can do this in a logical, easy way to understand. And I think the whole other side of strength training, because we can talk about lifting heavy all day and the perks of it and barbells and this is so great. Why aren't you doing it? The other side of all this is like, okay, how 
That's my last question. I mean, my last question is exactly that. Like, you know, if somebody's nodding along and their their light bulbs have gone off, they're like, okay, I am game. Like where, <laughs> you know, what what avenue should they be looking to to find to start? You know, I mean, it's not like most people don't have a barbell in their home, you know, and, and if they don't know what to do with it, then they, you can buy a barbell and you're still just not going to do anything with it. You know, so like what what is the best way for women, especially in this demographic, if this is something that's new to them? Like where what's their first step? Well, I think we can look at it in two different ways. One, of course, you can always seek out help right? Uh, There's certainly professionals out there. That's what barbell medicine does. We do one-on-one online coaching uh, and we have program templates that are designed for athletes at every part of their journey. And those things are accessible to everyone. They're all kind of at, you know, there's all different price points for that. Obviously like one-on-one personal training is very different from a template very different from a group training and so forth. So it really depends on like your access, your, um, you know, availability to those resources. So that that's one thing. Um, but it's usually my go-to, right? Like if you do have apprehension, fear, concerns, um, your own personal, like, but my back and my knees real weird and my shoulders, weird, right? like sometimes getting that one-on-one help just to start can just kickstart this process, right? Like the beauty and I, not really the beauty, but the, I don't know, the silver lining of COVID (laughs) is that a lot of stuff is online and it's super effective. It's super effective. Yeah. We can, I love coaching beginners and I coach them from all over the world and it's, I think the, this is going to segue into the kind of the second part of that, which is just like programming, but like, it has to be simple. I would suggest that you focus on four things, a a squat, a press. So an overhead pressing movement, a bench press, which is more, so your overhead press is going to be kind of more of that posterior side of your body, the backside. And then your bench press is going to be more that interior side. And then a deadlift, which could also just be like a hinge movement pattern, right? So we can also look at a squat pattern, a a pressing, a pulling, a pushing, a hinging. And then in my opinion, your core is being utilized in all of those movement patterns. So you don't necessarily need to do more, but if you did, I would do like a carry something along those lines. Um, So really I like to when someone comes in, I want to keep it as simple as possible because they're here to learn something brand new, already scary. They're in a space that's just like scary and loud because I don't know why all gyms need to play heavy metal, but <laughs> if I had my way, it'd just be like light eighties music. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's often loud just from the movement that people are doing, right? People barbells dropping barbells and things mm-hmm. clashing and clanging and yeah. yeah. So it's overwhelming. So the more simple you can make it, the better it is to understand. And the more capable someone's going to be at that movement pattern at the end of a week or a month, right? 
I don't want to introduce 20 new movement patterns and then expect you to be good at one of them. I'm going to give you four things to do. We're going to repeat it a couple of different times over the week with maybe some different rep ranges, probably in the range of four to 10 reps per set, probably in the range of three to five sets overall. Now, when we're talking about barbells, it depends on what that weight is. We may need to warm up to those sets. So it may be more sets than three to five sets overall, including our warmups, just to put that out there. Um, but it's fairly simple. And when it's simple, it makes it easier for someone to adhere to the program, which ultimately <laughs> that's all that matters, right? You just got to do something. So whatever it is, you just got to keep doing it. So I found that like being as simple as possible um, and creating those, those spaces for people to feel comfortable. And if you can reach out to a professional that can guide you through that, and it can be either somebody local to you or online, because that actually is very uh, effective now. Like things just keep getting better the way we can review videos and talk and do things over Zoom and, um, and so forth. And then uh, when it comes to like actual programming, that's usually when we get down into like the nitty gritty. People are like, okay, 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 okay. But like, what do I really do? <laughs> um, generally, I would say you want to lift in a range that is, like I said, somewhere in that 60 to 80% intensity. That's going to take some time, one, to get there as you learn the movement, and two, to understand what that is for you. So, um, I think that any barbell program, any strength program, probably any program in general already uses this, but they should, it's some sort of auto-regulation. So typically I use RPE, which is rating of perceived exertion, which can, you know, was basically designed around endurance, cardiovascular aerobic activity, and has been kind of modified and applied to strength training in a very similar way. Uh, reps in reserve, uh, all those things are, are really useful in determining how much work you need to do on any given day. What does uh, reps in reserve mean? So when I talk about rating of perceived exertion, RPE, I'm actually also talking about reps in reserve. So we would have kind of a scale of one to 10. And everything from one to five is generally kind of in like that warm up, really easy stage. So we're really talking about like six, seven, eight, nine, 10. 10 out of 10 would be like, I'm done everything I could possibly do to, to lift this bar. There's absolutely nothing left. Nine out of 10, maybe you can get one more, right? So that's your reps and reserve. Yeah. Um, and then eight out of 10, and so forth. So I would say most of your work is done in that six, seven, eight range. If everything you're doing is up at that nine, it's probably not going to feel good and you probably won't see a whole lot of progress. If everything's done in the five range, same thing. You'll probably feel fine, <laughs> but you probably won't see a lot of progress. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I just want that finite number. Like, tell me what to put on the bar. And I can make pretty good assumptions based on like what I know about you, what we've been doing what I think you're capable of. But the thing is, is like, we're super complex human beings and like you have a job and like a family relationships. You didn't sleep well. You forgot to eat breakfast. Like you're 
you're on your period. You just went through menopause, you know, like there's all these things that, that add in that are other stressors on our body. And so the auto-regulation really allows us to kind of include that and create this more holistic program. And when I started applying that to my clients, I was actually kind of like, I was a little, I like the numbers too, right? (laughs) Numbers are great. And this just allows you to include your feelings and feelings are just like liars. You know, you never can trust your feelings. So we got to have a little bit of both. But when I started including that, the, the like uh, self-efficacy and the autonomy that, that my clients started to present, they were starting to take ownership of their training. They were understanding why and how, and also like, oh, I I could keep doing this on my own and understand how to do it and stay safe. And, or, you know, I say safe with like air quotes, but like stay in a range that feels, you know, comfortable to me, but I still know I'm seeing progress. And in the end, that's what I want. I want people to walk away with the knowledge and the empowerment that they can do this on their own. I will certainly coach people forever and ever. Like that's totally fine. It's like my job and I, you know, pay the bills, but, but it's, it's a perk and it's a privilege to get to do that. And so the more I can impart on my clients and, 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 you know, allow them to take forward into whatever they do, then that's better. Um, So I guess like the answer is, what do I do exactly? Well, it depends. But if I were to just lay out something really grand, big, 10,000 foot overview looking down, training for strength one day a week is probably not enough, right? It's not enough for your body to, to acknowledge the stress that's been applied and, and adapt and maintain that adaptation. So two days is really kind of like what we would want to do. It also fits those physical guidelines. So two times a week, three times a week, optimal great. Love it. Train every other day for strength. Do your other stuff in between or after great four days. Also fine. Five days. Fine. Just not necessary. Right. So I think that's really important to lay out from the beginning. You don't got to train four or five days a week in the gym. Three is great. Two is fine. Especially if you're doing other stuff. Um, on those days, I like to do full body workouts. So I like to do, uh, like just for example, you could do a squat, an overhead press and a deadlift, right. On one of those days on the second day, you could squat again, maybe higher reps. So lower weight, maybe a different variation of a squat. You could do a different press. So you could bench press. Um, if you decide you don't like overhead pressing, you know, you you could do incline bench, um, and then maybe probably some other hinge pattern and, um, you could also do things like heavy carries, push prowlers, um, barbell rows, you know, those are going to kind of work your back in the same way, uh, you know, that you're working kind of when you're deadlifting just with less weight. So not as much stress. And so you can do it again in the week, um, or just do the same movements with different rep schemes, different weights. Uh, so that's generally how I would lay it out for anybody who was beginning strength training. That's what all my, my new clients do. Um, and then as things advance, as they become more, uh, experienced in, in, in training, then, um, you know, we, we make changes. 
Totally. Yeah. No, that, that, that makes a hundred percent sense. Is, is there anything that you thought that would be useful for this audience to know that we haven't talked about yet? I think, um, as you know, like I said, any, any sort of strength training with any sort of implement is going to make a change. So if you hear all this and you're still like, nah, (laughs) (laughs) not for me, no barbells, that's fine. Right. The idea is that we understand that strength training is important and there's value in doing it at any point. You know, it's, it's silly, but like the best time to start training was yesterday. And the second best time is today. Right. Um, So there are always going to be benefits, no matter what type of training you decide to do. I firmly believe that barbells are the most effective way that you'll get the most bang for your buck doing it. And so if someone comes to me and says, I want to strength train and I have a, you know, life like any other person out there, (laughs) then that's what I will guide them to it. Um, If they have a firm resistance to it, then we'll do something else. But ultimately there there's benefit there. And so in any way, strength training, even if you're using light weights and doing higher reps, you are still probably going to see, uh, an improvement in hypertrophy and muscle mass and, and movement and capability. Um, I have seen that there is some data that says as we age, as we kind of reach this point of, (laughs) the downward slide, right? Where we have to do a little more to make up for what is being lost just as we get older. Um, the higher intensity matters more, right? And um, and it's unfortunate because that's the exact time where we're also told that we're more fragile, uh, we're gonna break, you know, we're on the downward slope to death. <laughs> um, but that's exactly when lifting heavier is going to be the most beneficial besides the, you know, when you're like 18 to 30 and really generating, you know, that peak bone mass and everything. Um, but you know, if we're past that point, like let's not dwell on what we didn't do then, um, and start with what we can do now. So my, my, my like biggest thing that I always want to impart on people is that the barbells are only intimidating because you think they are like, you just, you just need to find someone that tells you that, that it isn't right. And, and listen to them. How are they doing it? Is somebody else doing it? Okay. There's no reason why you can't do it. Find the community that's going to support you trying something new, feeling a little silly sometimes. And uh, you know, like, like any new thing in life, just know there's going to be some like learning curve to it. Totally. And it's, it's good that, that, that is a very good thing for all of us, as you mentioned earlier to learn new things and try new things. And it is good for our head as well as our body. So (laughs) totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I often call it like, uh, the Sudoku for the body, especially when it comes to like doing math, because you have to do math with the, you know, adding plates and, um, but like you, you have to think about it. And I think when you're, you know, there's this other benefit of like, when you're under a bar, that's, that's really all that matters in that moment. You like actually cannot think about anything else. hundred percent. That is true. <laughs> yeah. That and is true. 
there's not as many moments in our life that we can really like detach from all the, the just like stuff that's coming at us from every direction. And, um, you know, I think, I think there's something really beneficial about being, you have to be very present in that moment and you're connected to your body in a way that maybe you weren't before. Um, and I, and I like, and it's short, (laughs) it's not like I'm asking you to do yoga and, you know, meditate for 60 minutes. I'm asking for like 30 seconds of your day (laughs) at any given moment where you, you, you do everything and then you rest like oh, that, that I should have said, that's a really great part. Then the great part about training with barbells is that you do something really hard and then you just like sit down for like three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like you barely, sometimes you don't even break a sweat, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's great. <laughs> so Excellent. yeah. Yeah. Well, that's our show. Join me next week when I sit down with Dr. Jen Salib Huber, who is a Canadian registered dietitian, a naturopathic doctor, and an intuitive eating coach. We go pretty deep into keto, fasting, and diets that are being marketed pretty hard to menopausal women right now. So you'll want to come back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends. And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tifosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like Feisty Menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap.